Well, I want you to crack open your notes, get your bulletins out. We are in a uh, in the second week, the middle point of this new series we started last week called uh, Facts of Life, FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions. And back in January, we started sliding little pieces of paper in your bulletins and saying, hey, do you have any questions? And we had a lot of questions turned in. We did it about every four to six weeks, slide that in there, uh, uh, accumulated your questions and uh, we broke it down we weren't able to answer all of them some of them we're going to cover at the end and via video and post them on our website um, and so they had lots of good questions so if yours doesn't get answered please don't think that it didn't matter to us uh, but we just could not cover all of them i also want to take this to this little public service announcement for next week okay i said it last week we'll put it up on the website we'll be letting people know as as we're coming in it'll be Posted in your bulletins, but next week is going to be our first ever PG-13 service, okay? We've never had a PG-13 service. We like our kids being apart, sitting next to us and, and being apart. And if you're cool with it, you're, you're, you can have your kids. We're not going to stop you at the door. Um, we're not going to be crude or crass or anything, but it's simply the subject matter that we're going to be dealing with next week. We had questions asked as a pastor. I feel responsibility to address some of these issues. And, um, but what we don't want is somebody being blindsided with their six or seven-year-old and say, I, I didn't know you were going to talk about this. And uh, so that's what we don't want. So we have a wonderful children's ministry, two theaters down, and they can be a part of that. Um, but I just wanted to go ahead and give you a heads up. I believe it's going to be a real life-giving uh, service, and I encourage you to be a part of it. Don't go, yikes, I'm out of here. And so... Um, some of you may go, huh, I wonder what PG-13 means. And I uh, maybe won't bring you back. But uh, um, anyways, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm excited about dealing with the subject matter of next week. But it does have a, a sensitive bent to it. So we're just giving you a heads up on that. But this week is not PG-13. So we have Father's Day. And um, I'm excited about Father's Day. I'm a father. I've got six kids. Obviously, that's a big deal to me. And what we don't want, we don't want at Celebration Church what can happen easily in, in, on Father's Day. Man, Mother's Day, we bust out the roses. We bust out the stuff. Moms are awesome. Aren't they wonderful? This is what we could all learn from moms. And then we get to Father's Day. And then somebody wants to play the old cat in the cradle song. And, and you know, they have some sad deal about how, how dads aren't getting it, cu- cutting it today. And they're a bunch of losers. And they need to step up. And, uh, you know, how, you know, it's just national go to church and beat up dad's day. And, um, and so we're not doing that. So dads, relax. We're not going to beat you up today. Guess what? You're at church. And you brought your family to church. You made some good decisions. Yes. Yes, that's awesome. We want to celebrate that. That is a good thing. That's a pattern we want to encourage. We don't want you to show up and go, yikes, I ain't going back there again. And so, um, uh, anyway, so let's go ahead and rock and roll. Let's get in these notes. I got a lot to cover. Um, First thing we've talked about last week is that questions are a normal part of any relationship. And that's why, that's why questioning in Christianity isn't a taboo. Some people think, oh, don't question God, don't ask questions, you know, just, they're supposed to have simply this blind faith. No, we're called to have faith, but we're called to know things, know God's word, take it as truth and act on it. In fact, the word tells us that God's people perish for lack of knowledge. They jump out there blind and they end up flat on their face. It's, it's a bad deal. 
And so we ask questions. We ask questions so that we get to, to know things. And so that's what we're doing here. And so I want you to know, as you go further on, it's, it's okay to ask questions. and say, God, I don't understand. God, help me. Help me get through this. It is okay. Because questions are how we get to know each other. And so we're going to cover today some questions about God and family. And these issues of, of how families operate and, and how things we can deal with our kids and all of those dynamics as we journey to know God better and to trust him more. And our first question that was given to us, and uh, this is how it read, said, how do you teach a young child the difference between love and the love of things? And how do you teach him between greed and, that greed and selfishness is a sin? Okay? Now, before I get into the, the answer of this, I do want to preface this okay, so that we don't, don't totally miss on somebody. Not everybody falls into this category, okay? but we, as parents, we need to be aware of this, that, <clears throat> that gift giving, giving and receiving, is a love language. It's something that people, that, that they speak. And in fact, my wife, one of her primary love languages is gift giving. And we honestly, we kind of butted heads for a long time because that's my lowest out of the five love languages. And if you don't know what those are, you can look them up online. And I'm, I'm sure I'll teach on them at some point. But my, my lowest was gift giving and her highest um, was, was gift giving. And so we would kind of butt heads. And for a long time, I, I, I thought that maybe I had a... a problem on my hands that my wife is like real materialistic and and we just that we she just needed stuff and all that and and that she wanted to she was always one her one of her friends would be down in the dumps or having a rough time and man she'd want to go buy them something give them a little gift it never was anything extravagant just a little something i was like woman quit spending our money on your friends you know give them a hug you know tell them they're great and they're going to be all right but guess what those are my love languages touch closeness and words of encouragement all she's got to do is give me a big kiss, say, you're my Superman, and I'm good. Man, I'm covered. My love tank is full. And, um, and so, but guess what? Words of encouragement, touch closeness, Ooh, in the basement with my wife. She's like, don't touch me, and talk is cheap. <laughs> that is, uh, and so, and, and uh, I say, yes, it is. It doesn't cost a thing. It's wonderful. All the best things in life are free. They said in the song, it must be true. And so before we get into this, understand this, that you, you're, um, gift giving may be a big deal to, you, to your kids or to a spouse or any, any of this kind of stuff. And that doesn't mean that there's necessarily something, this core thing of selfishness that's, that's wrong there. Okay? It, it may just be a, a primary love language. Remember, God so loved that he gave. It's a language God speaks, and, and, and God gave gifts unto men, and we see this all throughout the scriptures, and so we need to understand that. So maybe gifts is a big, are a big deal to your kid, and there's nothing wrong here. But what we do want to make sure is that we understand that it comes down to the difference between loving the giver and loving the gift, okay? And that's honestly the balance, and we want to teach our kids that it's about the giver with God, with people. All of those different things. It's not about the thing. It's not about the gift. It's about the giver. See, <clears throat> let's jump into Matthew. Matthew 6, verse uh, 24 and 26. says, No one can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay? Does that mean to serve God means you have to have no money? No. We see that's, that's silly. This, this, uh, this concept of, of being broke, you can't do anything. Everything we're called to do, even to, to drive down the street and tell somebody down, down the road about Jesus, you take some money to fill up your gas tank. It all requires some, some money. It's about the perspective. You can't serve them both. You can use your money and resources to serve God, but God has to be in the driver's seat. Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Let's get the priorities down here. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. This is the bottom line here. Are you not much more valuable than they? Let's understand what is of the real value. And as we begin to teach our children and, and work on ourselves, that it comes down that people are valuable. Why do I even want to give a gift to somebody? Is it because of the gift? No, it's because of the value I place on them and I want to bless them. Why is it, why is it important? Why at Father's Day or we get these little cards and we keep them? I've still got tons of stuff. I open up my drawer and I've got these little handwritten Daddy, I love you notes. You know, that somebody else may would see as trash and throw it away. Why is that precious to me and in my desk? It doesn't have any value by itself. The value came because I value the giver. And now all of a sudden, that piece of paper that my kid snuck onto my desk and, and, and wrote and, and left it there for me, all of a sudden, that becomes precious because it is about the giver. See, what we have to be careful of is that in our own lives and, and helping our kids to understand this, living in a, in a blessed society like we do, this is something we genuinely have to be conscious of. I mean, we have a lot of resources, even at this point where we're kind of in a financial tight time in my lifetime. Um, some of you have seen a lot tighter financial times, but in my lifetime, this is kind of our, 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 our crunch time. We're still just crazy blessed. I mean, we just, we just way blessed. And so we have to be conscious of making sure we keep things in balance. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Another little tidbit, another little piece, is kids, <coughs> kids learn more from what's modeled than from what is actually taught out by line. Okay, They learn what's modeled. Okay, So if... You know, if, you know, things are, if, if you didn't get the little thing in your life that you wanted, the physical thing, and you're real pouty about it, you're teaching your kids that kind of happiness is determined by that. You know, if these little things, if, if you didn't get the, the, the new truck you was wanting to get and you sulk for a month over it, your kids are going to pick that up. You know, it's, it's, we model this for them. So we have to be conscious of that. The next question is, how does the Bible address honoring an abusive parent? I know to forgive, but what role should the child allow the parent to play when it's a negative relationship and always hurts the child? It's a heavy question. 
I tell you what, we go back to the Ten Commandments, it's echoed throughout Paul's writings. We can't get away of this thing of honor your father and mother. We, we, we can't get away from it. We can't whisk it away and say, well, that, that didn't exist any, anymore. We don't have to do that because we're out from under the law. No, no, no. Paul brings this thing back up. And so how do we do this? How do we, how do we honor a parent that maybe was just had issues of their own and, and was clueless when you were growing up and, and just they, they didn't do maybe what you expected them to do? Um, and a lot of people think, well, that means that you've got to, you know, forget everything and, and embrace them in your life and, and let them have full reign like they want to and all of these different things. What we need to do is it comes back to a definition of honor. And that helps us set the parameters of what this really is. Honor means to give weight to or to give value to. Okay? And so what we do, whether the, whether the, the, the parent, whether your parent understands and appreciates their role as parent we should honor the office of parent and that we begin to to treat them we begin to treat them in the in the role and and talk about them in the role that they should be instead of pulling things away and a lot of it is is that thing of making sure we're not playing into their thing the the word tells us that uh in fact uh um, Proverbs 37, no, Deuteronomy on down. Um, we'll get, in, get to it, but that um, life and death are both here. And maybe in this area of parenting, that parent was making some death choices. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's what they were doing. And we don't need to play into it with our words and our attitudes that, <clears throat> that we begin to talk down to them or, or, or talk bad about them to other people or those kind of things. What we do honor is we honor that, that we honor that office, okay? Now, what about the thing about then them having access? They're like, well, I, I want to be able to, to, to have access to, the, to my grandkids, and I want to be able to, to, to do this, and, and, you know, this, that's in the past, and, and there's, but they still have this abusive tendency. Well, guess what? You now have a role as a parent to protect them, to protect those kids, and, and to protect those innocents, and you can hold both you can hold boundaries and whether or not they get their feelings hurt you can be you can be honoring and doing everything right you can do all and they still get their feelings hurt simply because they don't understand they're expecting things out of you that you don't have any business giving to them and just because they get their feelings hurt doesn't mean you dishonored them okay honor isn't that they received it the way you intended it okay maybe you set boundaries and then it hurts their feelings but you did it in a life-giving way you said, know what, I appreciate you, and we, we, can, we can do this, and, and you're, you, you can come over to the family barbecue, and I want you there. But no, they can't go spend the night at your house. Well, you, you let them spend the night at the other parent, grandparents' house. That isn't fair. I'm sorry. That's just the way things are. You know, that's, they, they, they're not going to go. You're welcome to come. And if they don't understand their, those boundaries, that offense is on their side. As long as you have held things right. You talk to them politely. You don't demean them. You're, you're, you're giving them the weight that they deserve. Ephesians 6 <clears throat> tells us, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, may enjoy a long life on the earth. Proverbs 30, 17. This is where the dishonor comes in, and we want to make sure we avoid this. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns, obedience to a mother 
will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by the vultures. Okay? Now this doesn't this doesn't have anything to do this this doesn't have anything to do with whether or not this parent handled things in the right way. This is a place of our own hearts, okay? You know this idea that you talk about and people say, "Well, happy Father's Day, you know, how's your father?" Well, honestly, you know, I'm just going to tell you my father was a jerk. You know, blah 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 blah. That's dishonoring. That's dishonoring. Okay, that's what I'm talking But we don't want to go there, okay? But that doesn't mean, okay, now God's got this weight on me that I've got to, and now I've got to put my kids in a place of abuse. No, no, you don't have to do that. You don't. You can walk that balance of both. You can make life choices towards them even though they may take it and throw it in the dirt and make a death choice with it. That everything you begin to put, you do towards life. And then our last question our last question is what is the christian role for a single mother or a woman who marries an unbelieving spouse it's a a big question so what does a single mom do okay well let's just uh, uh let's just address that one first um ultimately the role of every every believer is to be a true follower of christ okay whatever station you're in in life you have a commitment to truly follow and honor God, okay? As a single parent, or a single mom, a single dad, and then your role is obviously to model out believing God and trusting God and knowing God for your kids. Give them opportunities to learn about God every time you can. Show them, let them catch you. That was some of the best advice I ever got from my pastor with my kids. As he says, you know what? You know, so many times parents, they can go and, and want to get and do their study time and their prayer time with God and they go hide away and the kids never see it happen. You do it, you need some quiet, you don't want any distractions, the kids running through. He says, you know what, every once in a while pray in the living room. You know, even if you say, hey, I need you all to stay in your room, daddy's in here praying, okay, and I, I need some, a little peace. They know it, they've witnessed it, they've watched it happen. I tell you what, man, my life, my life course was forever changed. And I, some of my earliest memories is getting up early on a Sunday and seeing my dad on TV, at the, going down to the local TV station with our pastor, and they had a Bible study. It was like a, like a little panel. And seeing my dad answering biblical questions, and the Bible was a big deal, and he was on TV. It was, it was incredible to me. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. Me and four other people were watching it, but... Um, but it was still, if nobody else on the planet got anything out of that, my life was forever changed because I saw that this was a big deal to my dad. That he got up early in the morning and he went down and, and there he was. And, and he wasn't doing it for that purpose. He, he had a passion to follow God. But it forever impacted my life. That's why we use the interns at kids camp. We want our kids to see teenagers not being wild-eyed idiots, but loving God and modeling in the mix, worshiping Him, leading Him, being a part of it. Man, our, our teens did such an incredible job doing that so that as these little six- and seven-year-olds grow up and they begin to have visions of themselves at 16 and 17 years old, they're going, you know what, I'm going to go and I want to be an intern at kids' camp one day when I'm old enough. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to help little kids. I have a vision Have a vision of themselves serving God as a teen instead of going, I can't wait to get my license and just go hit the town. 
No, it's be a part and go, and go full out for God. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. This is addressing the, the, the person who is, who's married to an unbeliever. To your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And when they see the purity and reverence of your, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. All right, this word today, that submissive word, is like this, like explosive word in our society today. You know, nobody wants to submit. You know, this this idea, this it comes with this idea of domination and this man being this iron-fisted head of the home. Man, I tell you what, there's so many scriptures that deal with men that they better not do that. They're going to answer to God. You deal wrong with your wife and it's going to hinder your prayers. Man, we got, some, we got some stuff on our end that we have to deal with. But this unbelieving woman, this being submissive means that she doesn't try to all of a sudden sub- subvert his authority and say, guess what? Well, I'm the believer here. And so I'm the one now, I'm the one serving God, and you need to do this and this thing of just, of just him pecking and, and try to beat him in, beat him into submission. Man, I tell you what, be, be a good wife. Get up, go to church, don't give him a guilt trip because he didn't go. Nobody wants that. Nobody needs that. Serve him, love him. You fell in love with him. He wasn't a believer. There's, he's still made in the image of God. Reach out to him. Do, be the kind of person you're called to be. Be a true follower of Christ. And the word of God gives us this promise that as their reverence and purity and all of this is walked out, and I, I wish you could do it for a month and a half and then they have their miracle with Jesus and come to God. But maybe it's a decade and a half or longer. I don't know. It may not be. All it is is you're there, you're called to love God, love them, and then them go, wow, there must be something to this God thing. There must be something to this God thing. I've never met once met a man who got browbeat into loving God. But I've met man after man after man who had a woman that just loved God and was just, he's like, oh, man, I'm just inspired to step up. I want to know this God that she knows. I want to be able to handle things the way she handles them. And I'm telling you, it changes things. It changes things. <clears throat> and then on the issue said, how should this mom uh, that's, a that's married to an unbelieving spouse, how should she lead children when the Bible says it's the man's role? And uh, sure, the, the, you know, the, anything with two heads is a freak. You know, there's, you know the, the, the man is the head of the home. Again, it's not this lordship, mean, you know, turn of the century years ago, domineering thing. That's not what that means when we talk about the head of the home. But somebody's got to be, somebody's got to set the pace and somebody's, somebody's got to go. And it's this, this partnership and, and having the wife very much involved and, and all of those things. But in the area with, with making disciples of the kids, if the dad's not doing that, the mom simply by being a true follower of Christ, demonstrates and lives it out in front of her kids. Takes them to church, and if the, you know, if, every, if the dad's cool with it, and, and be a part of all those kind of things, and, and expose them to things. And yeah, maybe she, she's the believer in that situation. So now she's running point with discipleship. And that's just what you do. And you don't sit there and go, oh, I wish he would do it. Well, wait a second. Would, would you do less for God? Would you do less for those kids? If he was living for God, would you all of a sudden read your Bible less and let him, man, I wish he'd do a little Bible reading. I wish he'd do a little praying. Well, no, you wouldn't do less, would you? 
In fact, if he got on board, you might even do a little more. So just carry on. Just live it out. Just live it out. Just live it out. All of this comes. Because guess what? The role of every parent, every parent, I just skipped right over this, is to point kids to Christ in our words and our actions on every front. Every parent. This role, this weight, doesn't have to necessarily fall on necessarily one parent all by themselves. And one of them gets to coast. And we're all called. We all have, are responsible for, for our influence on our kids. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And then on the other side, on the other side of this equation is Colossians 3.21, which says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So guess what? So we train them without embittering them. We train them without pushing them off. We give them, we give them these correction that they need and lots and lots and lots of encouragement so they don't get embittered. Correction without encouragement leads to disillusionment and embitterment. But correction with love, and that leads to growth and to life. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. That's how He grows us. That is what He's constantly doing. See, God wants us to know Him and to trust Him. And He's open to our honest questions that, where we are seeking real answers. That's what He wants for us, folks. That's what He wants. And so this morning, this morning, we, what we want to do is make sure everybody has left the starting gate. Because we can learn all these principles and talk all of this, but if we haven't said yes to God and, and made Him truly the, the, the Lord of our lives and placed our faith in Him as Savior, then we, we're, we're still waiting to get going here. We're still waiting to get going. So I'd just appreciate it if we create a quiet moment and allow those that, that, are, that need to and are ready to, to make a, a life-changing decision and place their faith in Christ. <clears throat> if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Brandon? I recognize that I need a Savior and that Jesus is Him. I understand that the, that the weight of my sin and, and is still on me. I, I need to make a fresh connection with God. I need to make a first-time connection with God. If that's you, I want you to just slip your hand up. And we just want to pray with you. 